One of my favorite movies is um, Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's one of those movies that I could, uh, I can, in fact I probably should admit to this, but I could watch that movie over and over again, probably because it's a well-made movie, but it also contains some um, interesting things that happen in there that are not make-believe. I mean, it's a, a good storyline, and uh, as you're watching it, you're thinking, really, the Nazis really wanted the Ark of the Covenant? And the truth of the matter is, yes, they did. In fact, they were very much into the occult and collecting uh, important religious um, memorabilia, shall we say, uh, for their benefit. Even the swastika is a broken cross. It's a Christian symbol that they felt they would receive some sort of power from. So the Ark of the Covenant was important to the Nazis and not just in the movie. And it, it has a lot to say to us about this feast that we celebrate today. We believe that the, the real Ark actually disappeared in uh, around the time of the destruction of Solomon's temple by Nebuchadnezzar in the year 587. So it was long gone before uh, Jesus came to worship in the temple. And the Old Testament says that, that Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah, had hidden the Ark so that it would again be available on the day that Israel was restored to glory. And so if you read the fourth chapter of Maccabees, we hear this. We hear that Jeremiah ordered that the tent and the ark should accompany him, and that he went to the very mountain that Moses climbed to behold God's inheritance. And when Jeremiah arrived there, he found a chamber in a cave where he put the tent and the ark and the altar of incense, and then he sealed up the entrance. And some of those who followed him came up, intending to mark the path, but they could not find it. When Jeremiah heard this, he reproved them. The place, he says, is to remain unknown until God gathers his people together again and shows them mercy. Then the Lord will disclose these things, and the glory of the Lord and the cloud will be seen, just as they appeared in the time of Moses and of Solomon. So our readings today begin with the words of Revelation that God's temple in heaven was opened, and we hear that the ark of his covenant could be seen. So today is clearly a statement that God has arrived and has gathered his people. Today we celebrate Mary, who among her many titles is called also the Ark of the Covenant. You know, it's a metaphor acknowledging that Mary carried Jesus within her body. Just as the original ark carried the old covenant, Mary carries the new covenant. And so Revelation is teaching us that with the coming of Christ and his death and resurrection and ascension, the prophecy of Jeremiah has been fulfilled. 
So this solemnity of the assumption then is filled with images that, that teach us about the mystery of God's salvation and about the completion of his kingdom. And our scriptures describe the church as the, the visible sign of the kingdom. So everything that you can think about, church, be that the building, but more importantly, you, all of us, all of those who have come before us, you know, we are the church. And so this solemnity helps to, I guess, get our minds in right order so that we might do that well to be the church's presence, to be God's presence in the world, the visible sign of his kingdom. And the teaching of the solemnity of the assumption then points us towards Mary as the image of the church's coming to perfection. So in other words, if we try to live our lives as we know Mary did, you know, what's been handed down to us from the scriptures, by saying yes to God, then our lives are holy. This, and this is what our lives are supposed to be about. Hopefully long lives that we have on this earth moving towards that perfection that God wants for all of us. So today teaches us that, that we have a future filled with joy and that the vision of the future is our hope given to us by God's assumption of Mary. So in other words, if, if Mary is assumed into heaven, if Mary, you know, if the promise that was given to her was fulfilled, then that same promise that has been given to us will be fulfilled as well. Now, the John of the book of Revelation and the John who wrote the gospel may or may not be the same person. You know, we, most theologians today believe that it is the same person. I certainly do. Yet, if you look at the language and the theology of Revelation and the language and the theology of the Gospel of John, you have to wonder because they're a little bit different. So we have to ask today, you know, what were the concerns of this John of Patmos, who is the author of Revelation? And before anything else, the purpose of the book of Revelation is not to frighten us, it is not to have us focused on something that is to come, but it is a very pastoral letter. And it is, it's, it's couched in prophetic language. And as I said, its intention is not to predict the future, but to teach us how to live right now on this earth, you and me and, and everybody else. And Revelation, perhaps to get our attention, starts with a very scary prophecy. And John's effort was to get all of us, those who read this, to see that the current culture that we live in is not the culture that God wants it to be. Just as the culture throughout the ages has not been what the Lord would like to see. You know, his 
truly his kingdom unfolding. So if we are you know, to be in the, the right culture, that's a Christian culture. And you know, we, we need to find ways to immerse ourselves in that kind of life. And you know, John was heavily, heavily steeped in uh, the Old Testament, and so his references are very much about that. And then he also has references to St. Paul. You know, Revelation is a book that urges us to hope, and it gives us reason to have hope. Here, John writing of this dragon, and he intended for us to think about the serpent from Genesis. Uh, because for John, it was the same. You know, it was uh, the image of evil, this, this serpent that he describes. And John showed how powerful this evil is when he wrote that its tail swept away a third of the stars of the sky. And so it's a very frightening presentation of evil. Very frightening. But it's put aside when John went on to speak of the intervention of God to protect the woman. So this, this book is full of imagery. The child in the passage is Jesus, already risen and in glory in heaven. We, we are the woman in the desert where she had a place prepared by God. So what was John saying? Well, what he was saying was that the desert was not so much a place to hide as it was a place to meditate and to pray. Jesus went to the desert to fast and pray. And in the desert, he came to an understanding of who he was. Just as Israel came to an understanding of who they were in their 40-year sojourn in the desert. And the church, the church wants us to honor Mary, but the church also is using Mary to teach a very profound truth. And that truth is this, that God is with us that God is protecting us and that we are in the desert coming to know who we are. And if we live with God, we see in the assumption our future.